Welcome to Parkview. This is a Cubs jersey. It's vintage. Okay. Some people thought it was Cleveland, and I guess I, you know, I was like, I, 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 how could I show my face if I did that? No, it's vintage Cubs, okay? We're here. We're excited. If you don't know, if you don't know me, I'm not really a, a Cubs fan. I just jumped on the bandwagon like everybody else. Um, I'm just excited because I found some historical photos, and here is an actual picture of the last Cubs victory parade. <laughs> I'm hoping we can fix that. Not looking really good right now, but I'm hoping we can fix that, okay? And, and I want to say with all sincerity, I think you Cub fans, you like literal lo- loyal Cub fans are amazing. I don't know how you dust off that royal blue hat and, and jersey every April knowing that the odds are that far against you every year. I mean, it really is amazing. I know that you've all at some point just gone, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't handle it. It just isn't going to work. You know, what do you got going for you next year? And at some point you're just like, next year, schmeckschneer. I'm not dealing with it, right? But, but in the end, those of you that have stayed with it all this time and those of you whose parents and grandparents have passed on this tradition, what that is honestly called is faith. It really is. And it, and it parallels with what we talk about here. Many people's faith in God wavers based on God's performance too. Just like the Cubs have fair weather fans that give up when things aren't going the way they think, a lot of Christians do the same thing. Well, what's God done for me lately? I might as well become a Yankees fan, you know, Cardinal fan, Bears fan, because that's awesome. Uh, you know, I mean... I, <laughs> And I'm not saying that the Cubs being in the World Series should make you believe that all things are possible, but Jesus did say, look at the signs, okay? <laughs> Southern Illinois farmer dies, goes to hell, he's in hell, and, and, um, and Satan's there with him. He's just a crusty old dude, you know, and Satan's there with him. He's like, oh, how's it going? The farmer's like, that's ah, not too bad. So the devil's like, okay, forget about this. He goes over and he tells his people, hey, turn up the heat. We got we to gotta, we gotta really turn up the heat on this guy. He's bugging me. They turn up the heat as hot as it can possibly go. He goes back over to the farmer. He's like, so what's it like now? Is it hot enough for you? And the farmer goes, ah, it still gets hotter than this in southern Illinois in July. I'm not not worried about it. So this ticks the devil off, okay? So he goes back over to his people. He's like, turn off the heat, turn on the air conditioning, okay? I want to freeze him out. This is ridiculous. I'm going to get this guy. So they make it just freezing cold down there. And he goes over to the farmer. He's like, so what do you think now? And the farmer goes, ah, it gets colder than this in southern Illinois. And by the way, did the Cubs win the World Series? <laughs> Hell freezing over. <laughs> See, I mean, it's like, it's like half the people get it in and half of them don't. It's, that's, it's a sad, it's a sad, sad. It, my, my point is that just because things haven't turned out the way that you want, you shouldn't give up your faith on something. And I applaud Cubs fans for doing that. And I want to help you as a, as a Christian not to do that either, okay? That's what we're doing in this series. This is a series based on <clears throat> Craig Groeschel from Life Church down in Oklahoma. Uh, God never said that. And, uh, you know, I mean, at least when the Cubs are doing poorly, if you understand it, it helps you. You know, if you understand why, why, why do we have a bad year? Well, we need to get a closer. Well, we had too many injuries, you know, Bartman, the goat, whatever it is you want to, you want to blame it on. As long as you got, as long as you can understand some things, it'll help you as you go forward as a fan of the Cubs. And sometimes life doesn't go the way that we want it to here on earth either. And if I can help you to understand that, I think it will help your faith in God. 
All right. That, maybe that's a stretch of a parallel, but let me just start there. Okay. Um, sometimes life doesn't go well and it's funny. One of my favorite stories, a woman who's snow skiing with her husband in Utah. She's got to go to the bathroom. Can't find a bathroom. Got to go. Finally, her husband says, look, you're wearing mostly white. Why don't you just go off in the trees like a guy? I mean, I know, you know, it's a little different, but go off in the trees and do your thing over there. You got white on. Nobody's going to see you. It's snowy. It's, it's trees. It's not, not a big deal. So finally, she gets so desperate that she goes over. She begins to, you know, take stuff off and do her thing. Now, if you've ever skied before, you know there's a correct way to set your skis and an incorrect way to set your skis (laughs) if you're not actually going to go anywhere, okay? And she didn't quite understand this. So without warning, this woman finds herself all of a sudden starting to slide backward on her skis with her pants down around her ankles. And she's out of control. She somehow misses the true story, misses all the trees and ends up on the big main slope in the middle. The slope with the ski lift that goes over it, skiing backward with her bum showing, all going down the slope, everybody looking at her. She gets to the bottom, hits a pylon, breaks her arm. She's in the emergency room. She's like finally regrouping, kind of starting to feel a little bit better about a broken arm than she did about what just happened to her. She sees the guy next to her who's obviously got a broken leg. So she decides to make small talk. So how'd you break your leg? He said, that was the darnest thing you ever saw. I was riding up the ski lift and suddenly out of nowhere, I couldn't believe my eyes, this crazy woman was skiing backwards out of control with her pants down around her ankles. I took a look at her. I leaned a little bit too far and didn't realize it fell out of the lift and broke my leg. Sometimes we can look back at life's circumstances, funny things, dumb things that happen to us, and and we can laugh. And at some point, hopefully, we can all get to the point where we can look back and understand. But, But moving forward and moving through right now, what I know is that a lot of you are listening to me right now, and you're not in a funny place, okay? It's not about embarrassing and having your backside showing to a bunch of people you don't know. It's a financial burden. It's a medical burden. It's a relationship burden. You're suffering with depression. Your kids have got issues. And the weight just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And here's the problem. It never fails for me. When I get to that point where I'm just ready to pull my hair out, some Christian, well-meaning, wonderful saint of a Christian, comes along with some kind of well-meaning Christian advice. And sometimes it's actually good advice. It's just said in a way that doesn't make me feel better. You know, like, well, you just need to let go and let God. And I want to say, let God punch you in the head because that's not helping me. As your pastor, I give you permission. Or this is one of my favorites. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You know, when God closes a door, he always, you know what? I'm on the 14th floor. This is not helpful. Seriously, that's not in the Bible, you guys. God never said that. Do you know where that phrase came from? I have three daughters that were all in music and musicals, so I would know this more naturally than probably most of you. I will show you where that line came from. God never said that. Rodgers and Hammerstein said that, ladies and gentlemen. Maria said that. And just one more piece of bad advice, but I thought it was funny. Keep calm and make curtain close. Okay, enough sound of music, all right? 
That, that's not really very helpful, is it? Because, you know, as a Cub fan, I can say, yeah, there's always next year. But if you don't understand where things are messing up, it's not going to help next year. And honestly, I think everybody knows the Cubs organization. I'm not going to preach about baseball the whole time, but, but they figured it out. I mean, they're going to be here. This is a young team. If they don't win this time, they're going to. This is a different, a different, inter, a different generation for Cub fans because they understand the problem. That's what I want you to have happen. Okay, don't 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 listen to the platitudes and just think, oh, well, I shouldn't be feeling bad about my problems and let them go away. Let's understand the depth of what the problems are. Here's another one. Oh, oh, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Remember, God will never give you more than you can handle. Speaking of nuns, this is a quote actually attributed to Mother Teresa. Supposedly, Mother Teresa said, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much, (laughs) which is very clever, except Pastor Chaz did some research on this. Nobody has any evidence that Mother Teresa ever said that. We're going to have a whole other sermon series called Mother Teresa Never Said That Either. (laughs) Because here's the problem with this statement. If God won't give you more than you can handle, then God doesn't know me very well. Because I can't handle this. Those well-meaning phrases are are meant to make you feel better, but they aren't going to make you feel better because they make you feel like somehow it's your fault that you aren't feeling so great. It's you who needs to let go. It's you who needs to find the window. You just need to try harder because God won't give you more than you can handle. And if you're complaining about it right now, then you must just be a big baby because God will never give you more than you can handle. I think everyone on the planet has more than they can handle. I do. God has given me from time to time more than I can handle. It's called life. Well, PT, why doesn't God fix it? He did. And my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Would I have told you that? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. This world is not where we're supposed to be. This world is broken. This world has been cursed. I don't want to bring that up in the middle of this deal with the Cubs, but the world has been cursed by sin. And because sin is here, there are problems in the world. So we have cancer and we have death, but someday there will be a place where there is no sickness and no death and no tears and no crying and no mourning and no pain. But until that time, we live here. Well, how soon can we go, Tim? Man, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And look at the signs. Cubs in the World Series. Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton are going to be our next president. I mean, come on. The signs are pointing. Do you know that the Queen of England has offered to take us back? It's a true story. She's like, well, this 240-year experiment's not going very well for you. If you guys want to come back to England, come on back. This is more than I can handle, okay? And, and, and next week, we, we, we've already told you, we're going to start this series called Really? And it's kind of the opposite of God never said that. We're going to talk about stuff God did say that's hard to believe and hard to put into action. Like next week is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because next week we're going to be right in the middle. We're going to be right towards the end of this whole deal where we're all going to be trying to figure out how to vote. And we have to figure out how to love each other no matter what. And we're going to talk about racial issues and some other things. How do you love people who look, uh, act, and vote differently than you do? Because we've all got to figure out how to do that. So I want to encourage you uh, to be here for that. I'm going to unpack that next week. And we're going to do this series. And again, 
text really to 62953 and we'll give you the information so that you can do the reading plan, so that you can read along with us. I, I think this is a great way to do it all together. Well, so why can't we go to heaven now? Well, the Bible tells us the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise to return. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We are here for a mission. I wrote a book called Life on Mission. That's the whole thing. Our mission is to help bring heaven to earth and to take earth to heaven. I have it tattooed on my arm. I believe in that so much. That's the only reason that we're here in this imperfect, cursed world is because we have a mission to do while we are here. But the problem is the mission gets screwed up Because some preacher or some person is going to tell your friend, well, if you just become a Christian, everything's going to be okay. If you just had enough faith, everything's going to be okay. The Bible says God will never give you more than you can handle. Baloney. That's a messed up scriptural interpretation. I believe mostly it comes from this scripture, which is about temptation, which is different than life. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But this doesn't say that life's not going to suck sometimes. It's about temptation. Do you understand that? It's different. If you interviewed anybody that lived in the Bible, they would tell you, of course I had more than I could handle. Go talk to Abraham. I had to wait till I was 100 to have a kid, and I went through all this stuff. Go, go talk to Moses. I had to lead 2 million whiny people through the desert for 40 years. That's more than I can handle. I mean, who do you want to talk to in here that's going to say, oh, yeah, it was no big deal? Of course not. Sometimes life is hard to handle. Why? Why? Why is it that God sometimes gives us more than we can handle? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these up as uh, P words so they make a lot of sense and makes it easy for you to remember. The first one is presence. Presence. God's presence. I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm in the valley, I feel the presence of God. And when I'm on the mountaintop, it's not that big a deal. I mean, isn't that just natural? Life's going the way I want. I'm like, yeah, God, I know you're there, but I'm killing it right now. And that's the problem with living in America. I mean, if you haven't been to a developing country, it's hard for you to understand. It might not be after this election, but for now, it's hard for you to understand. If my car breaks, I can afford to get it fixed. And the fact that I have a car is something most of the world would envy. So we live in this mountaintop kind of a place. And the point is, when I'm on a mountain, it's not as easy to know that, I, that, that God is there. So listen, let's do the 23rd Psalm together. Some of you know it, some of you don't. We'll just read it off of this version on here so that we can all do it together. And and let me point some things out. Let's do this together. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's all good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what? I love the still waters. 
and I feel God in the still waters. I'm an outdoor person when it comes to my relationship with God. I love God when I'm in the green pastures, but not for long because you know what I do? I'm like, who's going to mow this? And couldn't we plant a couple of trees over there and maybe put in a koi pond? I think, I think we got some things we could do here because that's how my mind works. But when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, that's when God and I are tight. I don't believe God causes me necessarily to be in the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, sometimes he sends stuff because he wants something to happen. But, but Lamentation says God does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. He's, he's not up there throwing thunderbolts down so that you'll feel close to him. What I'm saying is that sometimes God doesn't fix the situation we're in right away because he wants to make us aware of his presence. When do your kids or when did your kids get cuddly with you when they were young? I mean, there's an age when they stop doing it at all, okay? Then they grow up and and you're all better off. But like my grandkids, I got a two-year-old grandson and a one-year-old granddaughter, and, and they're not cuddly even at that age unless they are tired or hurt or sad or Thomas the Train is on. I don't make them tired or hurt or sad. Sometimes I turn on Thomas the Train, but I don't make them that way. I do love to know that they have that connection with me when they are tired or they are hurt. And usually they want their mommy, not me. But, but it, that connection there is important for me, and it's important for them at some point in their life to know that the presence of their grandfather is there and that he's going to be there and cares for them. And sometimes you need to know that too. Jonah in the Old Testament guy who God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach there. And he said, no. And he ended up in the water swallowed by a fish. God was rescuing him, but it was in the belly of the fish that he says this, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you Lord. And my prayer rose to your holy temple. Okay. You see that in my distress, And when my life was ebbing away, not in my success, not when everything was going great, it was, it was in these times and God actually made this happen so that, so that Jonah would remember the presence and get back to his purpose. But that's what happens. And here's the challenge. You get in the middle of the storm and you start to wonder like you Cub fans have for 50 years, you start to wonder, are they, is there anything for me to put my hope in? It's not going the way that I think it's going to go. If God were powerful, this wouldn't be happening. I don't believe God is with me. And the truth of the matter is that may be the opposite of what's going on. It may be that you have to be in that place so that you realize you need the presence of God in the first place. I love how Groeschel said this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Maybe he's just drawing you in. In my distress, I remembered the Lord. David said this about calling on God. He said, the Lord is near all who call on him in truth. But for me, I call on him in truth in the valley a lot more than I do when I'm on the mountaintop. And I find that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. The second reason sometimes I believe God allows us to have more than we can handle is to purge. All right? It's to to clean things out of our life that, that we're not getting rid of. Joseph was a person in the Old Testament who was called by God to do a specific job. And he was called from an early age. And yet when he was 17, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. 
And while he was in slavery, he was falsely accused of a crime and he was imprisoned. And over and over again, God would bless him, but then something bad would happen. For 13 years that happened until it got to the point where he was 30 and all of a sudden, the Pharaoh who ran the universe said to Joseph, I trust you, you're my guy, I want you to basically run the universe. And because of Joseph and his dreams and because what Joseph had done and been faithful through the hard times, the world was saved from a seven-year famine. And, and, and Joseph was able to save his family and the children of Israel. And when his brothers came to him later and they were like, we're so sorry we threw you into slavery and tried to kill you, Joseph was able to look back and say, guys, you intended to harm me. I mean, I'm not saying it was okay. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I mean, at age 17, he didn't have it. He needed to learn some things. At age 28, I came to this church. I had some natural abilities and some natural gifts, but basically for the first 10 years of serving this church, you don't know our history, it was a 40-year-old church, about 150 people. There was a lot of infighting. Um, It was not healthy. It was not healthy at all. It was being held together by a church planting organization. We struggled, and I struggled. And I went through the valley of the shadow of death. My family went through the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes it was because I was an idiot and people didn't want to follow me. And sometimes it was because I had a vision that people didn't believe in and they didn't want to follow me. And it was hard. And it was good. And some of those people meant it for harm. Most of them were just misguided. But I I can look back that if I was 28 and I came to a church... And it blew up and became the fastest growing church and had three campuses and blah, blah, blah. I don't think I, don't think I would have made it. I think pride would have gotten in my way. God needed to refine me. He needed to purge me so that I would be ready for what he was going to do later. Maybe that's the reason. Third is sometimes he wants to show his power. They brought Jesus, a man who was born blind. Again, I don't think God necessarily caused it to happen, but he didn't fix it along the way. I know that. And maybe he did because they brought him to Jesus and Jesus, they asked Jesus the obvious question, who sinned? Because a lot of times when there's a problem, our natural reaction is, well, somebody must have done something wrong. Who sinned, this man or his parents that caused him to be blind? And Jesus said, neither. Neither this man or his parents sinned. He was born blind, but this happened so that the work of God would be displayed in his life. Because the work of God is displayed in our lives when it's obvious that we're not the ones that can do anything about it, and God shows up. I read about a commuter flight from Portland, Maine, to Boston, Massachusetts. Henry Dempsey was the pilot's name. And um, there was a co-pilot, just a few passengers, and they took off and they heard a noise and uh, in the back of the plane. So after they took off, Henry Dempsey gave the controls over to the co-pilot and went back to check what the source of the noise was. Just at the time he got back there, they hit an air pocket. He got bumped up in the air and thrown against the door, which he quickly found out was the source of the noise. It had not been closed properly, and he was quickly sucked out of the airplane. The door flew open, and he was sucked out of the airplane. Co-pilot sees the red light, knows the door is open, you know, everybody's freaking out, oxygen masks, they're not that high, so it wasn't, it wasn't life or death on that situation, but they knew the, co- they knew the pilot was gone. 
And they radioed ahead, we need to make an emergency landing, send a helicopter to go look for the pilot, he's out of the plane, you know, just, uh, just panic. They landed, true story, and found Henry Dempsey still holding on to the outdoor ladder of the airplane. Somehow, as he'd gotten sucked out of the plane, he pulled one of those James Bond moments, you know, in reality, and grabbed a hold of the ladder and held on for 10 minutes while the plane flew 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. When he landed, his head was 12 inches above the tarmac, but he still was able to keep his head up, and obviously he had injuries, but his life was saved. Interesting thing, fascinating thing of this story for me was according to the news reports, it took airline personnel several minutes to pry his fingers loose from the ladder. And you can imagine, right? Holding on for dear life. I think the biggest problem with God won't give you more than you can handle is that it feels like it leaves you to handle it. And so many of us are holding on the li- to, 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 the, to the ladder for dear life. And honestly, all of these trite sayings, all of them are based on some fact that God loves you, that he cares for you, that God's going to open a window, that he's not going to give you more than you can handle. Those are wonderful, but it makes it feel like you already have the power. And you don't already have the power, okay? You won't get the power until you need it. I was talking to some moms of special needs students last night, and they were like, people tell me this all the time. I don't know how you do this. And I say back to them, I don't either. That's God's power working through what we can't do. You were created to need that and to experience that. And sometimes that shows up best when I'm at my weakest. Apostle Paul, case in point. I mean, the guy you would say wrote most of the New Testament, probably if you were going to go like Christian of the year, Christian of the decade back in Paul's day, it would have been him. He would have won hands down, most influential person there was. And he had some kind of a problem, some kind of a health problem. He called it in first Corinthians, he called it a thorn in the flesh, which was a metaphor for something that we don't really know. Scholars think it might've been bad eyesight because he talked about that at one point. It might've been a painful condition like a bad back. It might've been the fact that he was single because he talks in, in one of his letters about how he's single and he's glad he's single because he can do more work for God. But those of you who are single understand there are challenges to that. There are hardships to that sometimes. Could have been that after he wrote that, he got married. I was waiting for an amen. Good job, everybody. His wife's name was Thorn, and he, no, I'm just, okay. I'm I'm just trying to keep it real here, everybody. Come on. We don't know what it was, but three different times he pleaded with God to take it away. And and I don't mean like, hey, God, take it away. Hey, God, take it away. I mean like when he says three different times, that was a a time of, of fasting and prayer and getting everybody together and hitting the war room to use that movie. He was doing that. He did that over and over. God, please, you got to take this away from me. And if I'm God, I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to heal Paul. Because if I heal Paul, there's going to be more churches. There are going to be more Christians in heaven someday because he's Paul. If anybody had faith for it, when those preachers say, if you just had more faith, you'd be healed. I go, what about Paul? What was his problem? 
And somehow God said no. He said no, and I, and I promise you, I promise you, and this is why this is so important to me, because some of you, you're on the edge of being a, a fan of God. You're on the edge of, of believing and part of it is because somebody told you if you become a Christian, everything is going to work out the way you want it to. And then you know some Christians who haven't had that happen. Here's what I can tell you. There will come a time when you walk with God long enough and live in this sin-filled world long enough that there will be a thorn that you find in your flesh that God doesn't remove. And you ask God, why can't you remove this? Why don't you remove this? I believe that you can remove this, and for some reason, he doesn't do it. I can guarantee you that. I have them, multiples. Most of you probably do too. Why can't you heal this depression? Why can't you fix this marriage? Why can't I have one month where I'm not behind financially? Fill in the blank. Why, why, why? And you know he can, and you believe that he can. And you ask yourself, why doesn't he fix this? That's exactly where the Apostle Paul was. And I feel this at such a deep level, the older I get. Paul asked for healing, and God said, look, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. If you're Superman, everybody goes, wow, look at Superman. But if you're weak, they see me. And the Apostle Paul said, okay, I accept. Not only that, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to boast in them. This is why he said, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. I hope I can get to that point sometime. I delight in my hardships. And hey, Paul was beaten. He was whipped. He was snake bit. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. And eventually he was killed for his faith. I delight in those things, Paul said. Why? Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Say that with me. When I am weak, then I am strong. One more time. When I am weak, then I am strong. I hate this message. <laughs> Don't you? Man, I'd just, I just love to get up and say, hey, follow Jesus and everything's going to be okay. I'm wrestling with this. Feeling weak lately, feeling old, feeling painful, I'm telling you. I met with a staff. My, my daughter and son-in-law are on a staff in California um, with a church that we helped plant just five years ago. And they're blowing up and adding services and trying to relocate. And they don't have enough money. They don't have enough staff, all those kinds of things. And they were like, Tim, what, what, what will you tell us? What do you tell us now looking at our next five years? What would you tell us now that you've been there? And I said, have fun because this is going to be the most fun you ever have. Those days when the church was in a situation where if God didn't show up, we were screwed. Those were the best days we ever had. And that's why we're planting more campus and, and doing more of that. We could kick back and just go, oh, we got everything handled. And everybody go, look, look at that good church. No, we're not going to do that. And have fun, Mission Church, because what you're going through right now, you're going to pull your hair out. It's going to make you crazy. But God's going to show up and everybody's going to see that. Here's how I want you to hear it. God will give you more than you can handle so that he can show you how he's going to handle it. That's the difference. And I thank God for this because everything in my life is way past anything I can handle. 
And if you're a parent, it is that way. If you're involved in ministry, it is going to be that way. If you're married, it's going to be that way. If you're single, it's going to be that way. You were not created to have enough power on your own in this imperfect world. So instead of saying, oh, I just got to be strong, I got to be strong, God's never going to give me more than I can handle, you say, nope, I'm weak. I am broken. I am in the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil because you are with me. It's a difference to me, maybe it's minor, but it's a difference to me walking up to the shore and deciding which one of these boats you're going to get in, okay? This is all you need to remember. When you get up every morning, and a lot of you are like me, you're going to look at that and you're going to go, well, the sailing would be cool, but it's going to take me a while to put the sail up, you know, and, and, and do all that. I could jump in that rowboat and get going, Right? That's the difference between God will never give you more than you can handle or when I am weak, I am strong. Because when when I get in the sailboat and I hoist the sail, I can go forever. If I go on my own power, I'm going to run out. And I'm going to run out pretty fast. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? Maybe it's because he wants to draw you close and reveal his presence. Maybe it's because he needs to purge you of some things that are going on so that you can be more usable for your mission. Maybe he wants to give you his supernatural power because his power is made perfect in your weakness. The Bible does say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe I'm splitting hairs here, but I think that's different because I can do all things through Christ. As he's living in me, his wind is in my sail. I'm not handling it. And the last one, as we get ready for communion, which we do here every week, we invite you, um, if you're a believer in Christ, to to join us. And let me say something to you from Parkview. I mean, I I know there are times when you're busy and things are going on, but the sacrament of communion is something we do here every week, and you ought to join us. Don't let everything else get in the way. As I get to the last one, you know what it is? Um, I'll back that up. I went too far. Um, There it is. Purpose. It's purpose. Sometimes God has something for you to do that's hard. If life isn't sometimes overwhelming, what do you do with the Garden of Gethsemane? When Jesus is getting ready to die on the cross, we're going to commemorate with the, the blood and the and the body, the bread, and the, and the juice. We're going to do that right now. And, and Mark tells us that when he gets right up to that moment, they got to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to the disciples, sit here while I go pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus, the Son of God was deeply distressed and troubled, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. One of the versions says he is sweating great drops of blood, as it were, great drops of blood. Jesus is so stressed out. He is so overwhelmed. And he said to them, stay here and keep watching. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it was possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Daddy, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, what you will. 
The Son of God was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Sure would have been better if one of those disciples would have stayed awake so they could have said, oh, Jesus, you just need to let go and let God. (laughs) You know God won't give you more than you can handle. There's got to be a window around here somewhere. Sometimes God calls you on a mission for a purpose that can't help be more than you can handle. Some of you have been through some hard times, really, really hard times in your life. And you now see that your going through that hard time has helped somebody else on their journey with Jesus. And it wouldn't have helped them except for the pain that you've been through. And I don't I don't believe that God sends those things, but sometimes he doesn't fix those things because he has a purpose, and sometimes the purpose is difficult. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. Talk to Jesus. 27 years ago, God called my wife and myself away from our families and said, hey, move to the south suburbs of Chicago to a church that I want you to give your life to. And so we did. We spent our whole lives basically here, away from our families. And, and, and most of it's been incredibly blessed. But sometimes we've been overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I'm just going to be honest with you. And what gets me right now is God didn't even bother to tell me 27 years ago that he was going to do the exact same thing to our daughters. Our daughters are all doing ministry. One of them's at Mariner's Church in, in California. One of them's at Mission Church in Ventura, California. And one of them is at Cross Point Church in Nashville. He didn't tell me he was going to call them the ministry far away from their family, which is me. And it sucks. I don't like it. If I were running the universe, I would have us all doing ministry together. Why can't we all just work together? In Maui. I mean, if you're going to fix things, you might as well fix things. And sometimes it's more than I can handle. And sometimes I'm overwhelmed by that. But God has a purpose. And if you would ask Jesus or anybody else that's gone through a hard purpose for God in their life, if they would trade it, they would say no. Jesus would say, of course I couldn't trade it because my death on the cross, that overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, that saved you from eternity away from God. So of course I wouldn't trade it. And I'm not going to, I can't tell you that I would trade. There's no way I would trade what I've been through here. And I wouldn't trade what my kids are doing out in where they're at because they're working with God and people are going to find God. And that's what we're supposed to do. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. That's what matters. Not whether I get to go trick-or-treating with my grandchildren. So for now, we live in the hard to handle. And again, I, I I don't want to bring this up too much, but against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. Why? Because of sin. There was sin. And so we live in the tension of all creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And when we get there, Revelations tells us there will be no more curse. Until that time, 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to communion, so many things that we could say. I mean, most obvious to me is the fact that whatever you called me to do, whatever cross that I have to bear, (laughs) doesn't hold a candle to the cross, the literal cross that you did. Whenever I think I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, it doesn't hold a candle to what you went through for me. But you did it because you love me. You did it because you want Tim Harlow to be in that place that you are preparing for me, where there will be no more sorrow, no more death, no more mourning or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Until now, we live in the old order of things. And sometimes it's difficult. So I pray for these people listening right now, for all of us who are feeling like maybe sometimes life is too hard to handle, that we will realize that you are there, that you are the good shepherd. Maybe you're teaching us. Maybe there's some power that needs to be demonstrated. Maybe it's just a a rough thing that we need to go through so that it can get to the other side and show people how your power was there. Lord, the most important thing is that we know you love us and we know that someday this will be over. And I pray, Lord, for people that are in this audience that may, may be on the edge of that fair weather fan thing and they've just been thinking, I don't know, God, I don't see you fixing all the world's problems, so I don't know if you're there. I hope that maybe this made some sense to them today so that they could know that their faith is grounded in something that isn't about fixing the universe now. It's grounded in something that is about fixing the universe forever. Take us to that place, Lord, as soon as possible. And be with us in Jesus' name we pray.